Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Are you lonely? It's a tough question to think about. The Surgeon General of the United States has declared loneliness an epidemic. It sounds dramatic, doesn't it? But we are learning more every day about the impact that social connections have on our health and the negative impact that loneliness and isolation can have on every aspect of our life. Uh, To get some insight, we wanted to talk with the Deputy Director of the University of Minnesota's Rural Health Research Center, Dr. Carrie Henning-Smith, who joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Carrie, thanks for being with us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. The idea of loneliness being an epidemic, at first to me, it sounded a little over the top. Do you do you think it's a fair way to describe what we're seeing out there? I do. I think probably epidemic is a scary word for all of us after right. the past <laughs> few years that yes. we've lived through. And yet the data really bear out that loneliness is really common and really pervasive. In the Surgeon General's report, he shares that approximately half of Americans are currently struggling with loneliness. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we would admit that at some point in our lives, we've all dealt with feelings of loneliness. So addressing it as an epidemic is a good way to bring resources and attention to it. One of the data points that came out today was from the Chamber of Commerce, who analyzed sort of residences. And I I don't know if I agree with the way that they characterize this, but they found in Minneapolis for about 44 percent of Minneapolis residents live alone, which puts the city Mm -hmm. ninth on its kind of loneliness index. I don't. Is it fair to say if you live alone, you're lonely or more likely to be lonely? I I don't know. It's fair to say that you are more likely to be lonely, and research bears that out. Mm. But I don't think it's fair to make the leap to say that if you're living alone, you are definitely going to be lonely or lonelier. It just means you need to be more proactive in making those social connections if you don't have a household of people that you're coming home to each day. Carrie Henning-Smith is the deputy director of the Rural Health Research Center at the University of Minnesota. And I want to ask about loneliness in context of of living in greater Minnesota, rural parts of America, because I think we often think of sort of the isolated, lonely, you know, 20-something person living in the city. But in rural areas, I, I wonder what the impact is there. On the one hand, I think of our, our small towns and our farming towns is having maybe a, a tighter social fabric than we sometimes have in a suburb or a city. But on the other hand, like just the geographical difference between distance between people in a physical sense, the social distancing, as it were. I wonder, which what, what do you find when you look at loneliness and, and rural areas? 
Yeah, you're raising so many good points there. And I think what you're getting at is how complex our social lives really are and how many things go into being well-connected with other people. Uh, you're right that rural communities typically have stronger social fabric historically and today. We've seen really strong social communities, social cohesion in rural places. But rural residents also have more barriers to getting together with other people that might be technological barriers, uh, harder access to broadband internet, fewer access to devices, but also the physical distance that you mentioned. We have all sorts of transportation barriers, especially for people who might not be able to afford a private vehicle or people with disabilities or health conditions that make travel difficult. All of those things can make it hard to connect with other people in rural communities and mean that we need all sorts of solutions. This is not a one-size-fits-all problem, and we need a lot of different no. solutions to help everyone feel connected. Some of the data on this, to me, is, is staggering. You know, comparing 2020 to 2023, the Star Tribune, which has done a whole series on loneliness this month, found that mm -hmm. adults are spending 24 more hours alone by 2020 than they were almost two decades earlier, which I, I wonder what your thoughts as to why that is. I think there are a lot of reasons for that and probably reasons that all of us could recognize in our own lives. We can't underestimate or overestimate the role of technology and social media yeah. and the way that we've kind of isolated ourselves in our homes with the technology that we have. And I think sometimes hmm. we think that we are having meaningful social interaction by liking things on someone's Facebook page or scrolling through Instagram or whatever your social media of choice right. might be. Uh, but that's not enough. That's not enough to meet our human need for connection. We need something that's higher quality, that's, that's deeper and more meaningful than just how many friends you might have on social media. So I think that's a big part of it. And can can I just ask you a other thing? Yeah. yeah. Can, can I just ask you a follow up about that? Because it's so interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of us in the early uh, early years of the Internet and social media felt like, wow, this is going to be an amazing way to make the world smaller and make us feel like we can find our people and be connected with them. But the science seems to indicate that I, I, do you need in person or you just need a richer type of engagement that's not happening through a digital sense? That's a great question. And social media is really, uh, there are two sides to it. On one hand, you're absolutely right. It can be a good way to find your people. Thinking back to a rural example, if you don't feel like there's anyone else in your small community who really understands what you're going through, you might have an unusual uh, identity or experience uh, along any number of markers, finding that community online can be really powerful. But the research shows us if you're only interacting with people passively online and not making that next step to meaningful connection, whether it's one-on-one -on -one connection with someone virtually or one-on-one -on -one connection or group connection with people in person, then that's where social media becomes really harmful. We need to be active participants in our social lives, not just passively seeing what other people are doing. 
Yeah, it's such an interesting conundrum because uh, there are so many ways you can talk about this. The reality is making a difference and making a change requires, well, you can't do it by yourself, right? Like you need help. You need another <laughs> side to break loneliness. This seems like a just like a major challenge for me to make to make some headway here. It really is in some ways. And I think when we think about it as an epidemic, it can feel really overwhelming. But what I like about the topic of social well-being is that everyone has a role to play and even very small things in our daily lives can make a difference. Uh, we need those close relationships with people, but also interactions with strangers and acquaintances can make a difference for your social well-being and for theirs. There are so many ways to intervene on your social connectedness. And what's really great is that if you do something to help your own social well-being, you're also helping the social well-being of those you're reaching out to. So it, it spreads. There's a ripple effect. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is the uplifting part of it, right? Like this is not this is not a, a problem that necessarily requires medication or something expensive. It does require, and maybe that's the benefit as we talk with Carrie Henning-Smith for the University of Minnesota, maybe maybe that is the benefit of naming this as, as a, a, an epidemic. Uh, the fact that for the people who feel alone, you, you don't feel crazy. You're like, all right, this is a common problem. Like maybe we can all do something about it. That's exactly right. One thing that the Surgeon General likes to say is that loneliness is the same as hunger or thirst. If we're feeling hungry or thirsty, we know what to do. We know that that's just a normal feeling that humans get, and we know how to address it. If we're feeling lonely, it's just a normal feeling that everyone experiences, and it's our body telling us that we need some connection, and then we can do something. We can reach out call, text, email, go outside, whatever it might be, and find some connection. Really good. Good stuff. Carrie Henning-Smith, Deputy Director of University of Minnesota's Rural Health Research Center. Really appreciate it, Carrie. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.